Welcome to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast with your hosts, Matthew Betts and Matt Okada. What it is, what it do, what it be. Welcome back to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast. We are here in the month of July now. We just hit July. This pod may or may not release on the 4th of July. We're actually recording it on Tuesday the 2nd. Uh, we're here to talk about, you know, the one sport that doesn't matter right now. Because everything else has something exciting going on. Soccer's got the women making the World Cup final. Basketball, everybody and their mother is going to a new team. Except Kawhi Leonard. Uh, even hockey's got free agency. Baseball's still actually happening. Bets, how are you doing with all this lack of football? Uh, I'm filling it with Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast and mm. working on my 2019 projections, which, oh my God, that is a lot of work. <laughs> I don't know what we signed up for. Um, yes, it is. But we've been, we've been busy here at the Red Shirts Pod, still putting out content and obviously still doing uh, now apparently bi-weekly po- podcasts. And I think we should release this on the 4th of July as a happy birthday to America. Oh, America. so exciting. Well, the... Perhaps the only crew busier than we are, Bets, is the fantasy footballers. And we had Andy on a few weeks ago, but that, you know, wasn't enough for us. We're not going to say who's our favorite, but let's just say we're bringing on our favorite. It's Jason Moore <laughs> of the fantasy footballers. How you doing, Jason? I'm doing great. Uh, go by playground rules around here. First, the worst. Second, the best. <laughs> and third. Definitely true. Finish that. That's right, Mike's. Uh, Mike's is. gonna be a. We all know what third place is. You don't want to be third. Oh boy. Um. So you guys are up to all kinds of things, Jason. Why don't you give us a rundown of what's going on over there? Uh, at least an update from when we last talked to Andy, and uh, just how how things are going at the fantasy football headquarters. Yeah, things are going great here when it comes to fantasy football. Um, it, when it comes to life and travel and busyness. It's out of control. I mean, we just got back from Chicago about a week ago and then turned around and went to New York City for a couple of live shows. Then next Wednesday, we're headed out to San Francisco for a show on Thursday. It's going to be great. Get your tickets at Ballers Live. Then Los Angeles uh, early August and back here in Phoenix, our hometown, for our final live show. Those shows are ruckus. They are a good time, but they are exhausting. They they definitely are a good time. I've personally been to one out in Arizona, actually, uh, so I can vouch for that. I'm assuming you're going to try to enjoy your time on the best coast, west coast with our weather before you go back to July in Arizona. Yeah, I, I'm not a fan of July or <laughs> August in Arizona, and I do agree best coast is the west coast. Oh, uh, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Not loving get that over here. here on this Shots fired. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, we're going to get into a tiny bit of news that does exist before heading into some super fun segments for the rest of this show. So I got great news, guys. We got some Kareem Hunt stuff, or at least some rumors of Kareem Hunt stuff. Uh, apparently he was involved in some kind of, I'm not even going to say altercation because I don't know that maybe verbal altercation is the best that it can be said, 
Uh, there were rumors earlier in the week. It was around a bar in Cleveland, and then a video was released by TMZ where he was kind of talking loudly with police officers, I guess you could say. No reports of any kind formally filed, no arrests or anything like that. So as far as we know for now, it's not a concern necessarily. Betts, do you have, I mean, does this do anything for you? Does it concern you at all for the long term? I mean, not necessarily. I don't think this really affects him. I mean, obviously, he's, he's still suspended already for the first half of the season. So I don't think it changes much there. But just looking at the situation, I mean, regardless of what happened, and obviously we're speaking as if we know what happened, we have no idea. But if you're Kareem Hunt, just don't put yourself in these situations, given the past and given the thin ice that you're already on. Um, hopefully it's nothing. It sounds like it's nothing. I don't think it affects him that much this season. Yeah. Uh, Ezekiel Elliott, incidentally, also had something come out of his something from earlier in this year. He met with Roger Goodell today and issued an apology uh, I don't expect anything to come down from that either. I do have a question for you, Jason. F- from a dynasty perspective, we knew Hunt was going to be out for the, the first eight games of this year, like Bet said. But does seeing recurring things like this, even if this is not too much of a you know big deal specifically, does it affect at all your long-term look as far as whether owning Hunt is going to be worth it? it? I think it can and should to some degree. Not... You don't want to overreact and swing the pendulum too far, but what you don't want to see with a player who's already been suspended a significant amount of time for personal conduct, just out late night at bars. Sure, it was a small altercation with a friend that kind of caused a scene, and and it wasn't from what is coming out now as big a deal as you thought, but he's still putting himself in positions for bigger deals to happen. And look, I'm, he is not anywhere to the degree of the personal demons that we've seen with other players in the past, uh, you know, that they can't kick like a Justin Blackman, uh, you know, a Josh Gordon, Martavis Bryant. But like the, the common thread with those players who have dealt with personal conduct violations and, and um, you know, is sometimes it's, it's hard to break that mold and you keep thinking like, oh, it's going to be okay, but you know, and if it's not, you're going to be left holding the hot potato in your dynasty league. So, you know, I I would I would uh, up my the 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 amount of risk that I view with Kareem Hunt, but at the same time, he's a talented player. He's a young player. He's not someone that I would completely bypass or ignore. But the risk is there. Yeah, it's uh, it definitely does a little bit in my opinion, to just raise that concern of the long-term future for Hunt. So I'm kind of on board with both of you guys. All right, and then we got a couple pieces of player speak here, not even coach speak. Uh, James Conner apparently expects his 2019 role to be similar to that of 2018, which obviously when he was on the field was very high volume, both rushing and passing. We had heard some minor rumblings that they wanted to be more of a committee than they have been. Uh, obviously with Le'Veon Bell and last year with Connor. Jason, I'll throw it back to you. Do you have a projected carry or touch count for Connor? Do you think it's going to be more like Tomlin has used Bell in the past or more of a split? Yeah, no, it's going to be the way that Tomlin's used backs in the past. Uh, You know, uh, that's my belief. I do think some of the passing volume of years past with, say, Le'Veon Bell will not be there. They have Jalen Samuel. They're using the, you know him in the passing game. We saw 
when James Conner got injured last year, came back, and and both him and Jalen Samuels were there. Well, James Conner was right back to being the uh, you know lead dog and carries. Jalen Samuel was dead to rights in that, but Jalen Samuel had far more targets than James Conner had. So it's going to be mostly business as usual for James Conner. I, I think coaches with a long enough track record like you can't take one or two years and say well they did this last year so they'll do it next year but when you're talking about Tomlin we have a long history of so many different players being used in the workhorse three down back role I think that's the system that's you know they, they can't do certain Pittsburgh Steelers things unless they have the same back on the field for all the different looks so I can't imagine them pivoting away from that when James Conner was so successful with it last year. Bez, any disagreement there? None whatsoever. I, I just pulled up our rankings as they stand right now on the site, and I've got them at seven. You got them at nine. So I think we're both in agreement there that um, it's James Conner's backfield to either lose or, obviously, uh, if anything happens with injury, um, then we could see a change. But until that happens, I'm going to treat this backfield as if it's always been, uh, which is one workhorse back. So I definitely agree with Jason on this one. Yep, same here. No disagreement. All right, then the last tiny bit of player speak. This one from a player about another player. Devontae Adams coming out and countering the recent MVS hype. Kind of, not necessarily exactly, but saying he thinks Geronimo Allison will be dangerous in this new offense. So it doesn't necessarily say one way or another for him or in his opinion, whether it's Allison or MVS. But let's just use this as a segue to ask Betts. As of right now, Allison or MVS? I think for me, I would probably prefer Allison because we've seen it more. Um, I, I put an article right after the draft talking about uh, players that you should buy in Dynasty Leagues because I believe Allison has the talent to succeed there as the two. Um, last year, he was on pace for over 1,000 yards before injury. So it certainly is possible that all this MVS talk is kind of nothing but it's certainly obviously possible that it's something so i would say don't draft right now and wait which is the better <laughs> strategy to do um but in all honesty I, i'm gonna look for more clarity as training camp comes along and i think we'll be able to get that clarity as that time comes closer but until then it kind of seems like a coin flip honestly jason is one of these guys stand out to you yeah, I'm I'm on Team MVS right now, and, and coming into the offseason, I was a huge Geronimo Allison truther just because we had seen it, and the number two for Aaron Rodgers always does well. But actually, I think this hyping up of Geronimo Allison speaks to the exact reason that MVS is, is really the guy to be hyped, because what was said is talking about how much Allison has been working in the slot and that he's going to do great there. He's being used all over and like his slot work, even though he's used to being on the outside, these are you know the, the words from Devontae Adams, like he's doing a good job with that. But what that says to me is that he has lost the number two outside role, that MVS has the role that is more valuable for fantasy usually. You know, Randall Cobb is gone, so an opportunity, look, maybe all three guys are great. Um, but if I've got to put my chips on someone, I'm, I'm on the MVS side right now. Yeah, the the all three guys are could be great camp is kind of where I'm starting to lean because while moving Allison into the slot might mean he's not on the field as much, which means his targets might go down a little bit compared to MVS, we also know that the slot typic, typically produces a little bit more valuable 
uh, targets just because it's easier to get open from there. And honestly, I believe this Packers offense is going to run three wide plenty, and Rodgers is going to you know obviously elevate all of his receivers. So I think there's a good chance that surprisingly both of them returns value. If you made me pick one, I would still lean Allison, but I'm not uh, you know I'm not too firm on that. We'll see. Whichever player is better at the end of the year, that's the guy you want. Yes, yes, I'll take that, that one, please. Works pretty well. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right, bets. Before we get into the big first segment, which, by the way, is bold predictions, which we did with Jason Moore last year. So you know what what's good and comes around goes around and all that stuff. I don't rem- I don't remember how I did, but I'm sure they were. <laughs> I'm awesome. pretty sure you did pretty well, Jason. What I do remember is that one of our listeners picked Eric Ebron to be a top five tight end, and they nailed that. I do recall that. I also recall Jason calling Big Ben a top three quarterback last season. And it happened. Hot dog. Just saying. You get a lot of uh, accurate takes here on the Red Shirts pod, even if it's not from me and Betts. But before we get to all that, Betts, the sponsor for today's show, very relevant. Yes, perhaps you've heard of them, uh, Jason. It is the Fantasy Footballers. Oh, those guys are great. Those guys are great. Uh, We are super excited this year to partner with Andy, Mike, and Jason and their Ultimate Draft Kit. Listen, guys, if you're not buying the Ultimate Draft Kit to prepare for your upcoming draft, you are doing it wrong. That thing is chocked full of projections, rankings, sleepers, breakouts, busts, Matt Harmon's reception perception, and, of course... A very smart, very handsome injury analyst, perhaps you've heard of him, named Matthew Betts, mm. uh, who writes for the He does the some great so, work. Um, fantastic tool. We are super excited to be partnering with them again this season. To purchase that UDK, head on over to redshirtsudk.com and use the code redshirts to get 10% off today. Awesome. All right. Listeners, put on your fire retardant suits because we are about to get hot with some bold predictions. There's an old saying, fortune favors the bold. Well, I guess we're about to find out. All right, let's let's kick it off as we like to do here on the pod with our guest, Jason Moore. We each have three. We'll see if we get to all three bold predictions. Give us your number one bold prediction for 2019. All right, my number one bold prediction... Last year, you brought it up. I said Big Ben was going to be top three. You'd think I'm from Pittsburgh and I'm a homer. I am neither one of those things. But I believe Juju Smith-Schuster will finish as the number one wide receiver in fantasy football this year. Not top ten like he's done. Not top five, but numero uno. Why do I think that? Well, it's a great combination. You have one of the best wide receivers in the game, period. He's on the level, in my opinion, of DeAndre Hopkins, of Devontae Adams, of uh, you know he Julio. You look at his breakout age, his body, he's a man among boys. When he was a boy, he was a, uh, he was a boy among men, <laughs> and he made them look like he was a man among boys. Now he's growing bigger and older and wiser and smarter and stronger. And Antonio Brown is out of the way. Now, I don't expect the volume to necessarily go up. I do think it'll probably tick up a little bit, but you can't, you can't go much higher. I mean, he had 166 targets last year. But the reality is, 
it's all about touchdowns. Juju Smith-Schuster only had seven touchdowns last year to like Antonio Brown's 15. And if you're telling me that the that there is a true top five talent in the NFL who is going to become the center of an offense who has historically produced the number one wide receiver over the last several years, and oh, there's going to be a lot of touchdown opportunity that wasn't available for him last year. And in fact, one of the things I found out recently um, looking through stuff is that Juju Smith-Schuster was tackled on the two-yard line five times last season. It, you know, if if some of those go the other way, he's already in a top three wide receiver. So you got the talent, you have the opportunity, you have the new uh, targets and red zone opportunities that have opened up for him. I believe that he is, you know, this is one of those things, if you've listened to the fantasy footballers, since when he came out as a rookie, one of my favorites said a star was being born because he was so great to the eyeball. I just couldn't believe how good he was. <laughs> and now he is the, I mean, he is the center of that city right now. Like Pittsburgh, you look at what's going on around there and he is their most beloved player. And the question is, will he live up to the hype or very, re very realistically, will that hype be too much for this young player? I believe he is that good that he will overcome and he will be worthy of the hype, and he has every chance to be the number one wide receiver in fantasy football. Jason, I could not disagree less <laughs> with everything you just said. Listen, this guy, the only receivers in NFL history with more yards before they turned 23 were Randy Moss and Josh Gordon. Never heard of them. <laughs> unless, unless Juju suddenly turns into a can't can't get on the field because he's suspended for years for use of marijuana type receiver, he's going to be Randy Moss, pretty much. Yeah, I 100% agree. I think he can fully live up to the number one role. Betts, do you disagree at all? I'm going to guess no. No, not at all. I, it's definitely within the realm of possibility. That stat that you mentioned there, Jason, was pretty shocking, actually, actually being tackled um, so close to the end zone so many times. Like you said, if he falls in a few more times, it completely changes his end-of-year finish. Um the, the opportunity is there. The offense is fantastic. He's primed for another top five season this year, so it's definitely in their own possibility. I can't argue with it, and mostly because Okada and I own him on our Dynasty League team together, mm -hmm. who we took him in the first round. So if he finishes the top, as the, uh, the top receiver, we're going to be two happy gentlemen this season. Well, congratulations. Yeah, absolutely. By the way, besides Jason's bold prediction being right, I, I would consider Juju a... a contender for the number one overall dynasty pick with Saquon. That's how good I think he could be for that long. So, love it. Uh, all right, Betts, let's bounce it over to you. Give us one of your bold predictions. Sure. I'm going to kick it off here with a guy who's getting a ton of buzz this season, and that is Baker Mayfield finishes. I'm going to go right off of Jason's take here. Finishes as the quarterback one this season. Again, not a quarterback one, not top ten. Not top five, the overall one quarterback this season ahead of Patrick Mahomes. And here's why. Have you guys seen the depth chart in Cleveland? I have. It looks like a fantasy football roster. It's pretty it's pretty good. He has got someone by the name of Odell Beckham Jr., perhaps you've heard of him. Jarvis Landry, David Njoku, Rashard Higgins, who is a fine three, Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Duke Johnson. Now, you could argue there's not a quarterback in the league surrounded by more talent 
right now than Baker Mayfield. When you look at what he did last year, 17.1 fantasy points per game, which ranked 16 in the league among quarterbacks that played at least 13 games. Obviously, he didn't start the entire season. Tyrod was the, the week one starter. But when you look at what he did last season with the weapons that weren't there, um, Carlos Hyde looked lackluster. Jarvis Landry, they tried to make him a one. He's just not that. Josh Gordon was there for five minutes. I mean, I just I don't know how it doesn't get better this season. And when you look at what Odell Beckham Jr. can do for an offense, it can elevate Baker immensely. For God's sakes, Eli Manning was a top 10 quarterback twice <laughs> with Odell Beckham in the lineup. Um, I think it's, it's recipe for success there. Uh, I don't have him ranked as my QB1, obviously, but it's certainly within the realm of possibility with all the weapons that are there. Uh, I love Baker this year. Jason, you on the Baker bus? I am not on the Baker bus. I think it's a ah, great argument. I no look. The, so it, it's it's kind of a it's kind of a lie. I am totally on the Baker bus when it comes to my belief in him. I really love Baker this year. Do I think he's going to be the number one quarterback? No. While he does have arguably the best core of weapons, you know him and Goff and few others have the weapons that that uh, Baker Mayfield has. It's tough for me to buy into where he's being drafted right now. Like, it, you know, if he if this prediction that seared my eyebrows off comes true, <laughs> I just pictured your face without eyebrows, Jason. It's it's Ooh. it's horrible. You've ruined our show. Um, <laughs> San Francisco is going to be very angry at you, bets. Um, you know, if if it comes true and he's the number one quarterback, and and I'm not, I'm certainly not saying that couldn't happen. Super talented. And all the weapons, but that's what it would take for me to be happy of where he's being drafted right now. He needs to be Pat Mahomes last year, and I just don't think that there are, you know, look, there's not a Pat Mahomes last year every year. There's like been a Pat Mahomes last year three times in NFL history, and so I am, you know, I I love Baker. I think he's going to be a good quarterback, but I'm kind of passing on Baker because of how high he's being drafted right now. I hope it's a mistake because, goodness gracious, do I love that dude. Um, I hope you are right, Bets, but I put my chips on a few other guys. You know, Pat Mahomes and Andrew Luck, Deshaun Watts and Aaron Rodgers. It's tough to be the number one with that group of guys. It definitely is. I will say that actually the biggest roadblock for me from this against this prediction coming true is their defense. I feel like they're going to have a sneaky good defense, and if they do, I mean, we're talking one of the best defensive lines in all of football, by the way. If that defense holds opposing teams to you know less points than it has in who knows how many years, then it's potentially going to be the case that Nick Chubb is the one that benefits the most from the offensive side, and Baker doesn't have the volume to be number one. So that that is one thing that, that makes me hesitate, but I still love it because I love Baker. The good news is... They're still the Browns. They're still run by the same <laughs> management. So there's, like, look, every year we're excited, and it and most often doesn't come to fruition. So maybe their defense will be terrible again, and Baker can ball out. There you go. Hopefully it does so that my prediction is correct. Definitely true. Listen, both of you went with pretty much two of the hottest, most popular players in the entire league. And I'm going to follow that up with Andy Dalton. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Yes. Andy Dalton 
will be a quarterback one in 2019. I couldn't get him two number one. Sorry, Betts. I, I couldn't quite get on your Not level. Not sure how. But <laughs> no, yeah, it would be impossible. Listen. This this is going to blow people's minds, okay? Because it's not what you imagine when you think of Andy Dalton. But he's good, okay? He's decent, at least. And he challenges, I think, Cleveland's weapons. We're talking A.J. Green, who's pretty much on the level of Odell Beckham. We're talking Tyler Boyd, who might pretty much be on the level of Jarvis Landry as far as helping his quarterback produce. We're talking Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard, which is almost the same thing as those running backs over in uh, Cleveland. We're talking Tyler Eifert, maybe, if he can stay healthy. (laughs) It's a big if, I'll admit. But if he can, that's a lot of touchdowns. If everyone on this team stays healthy, and that has really been the problem for Dalton and the Bengals in general, I think Dalton absolutely has QB1 upside. Last year... With A.J. Green on the field when Andy Dalton was also on the field because he got hurt, he was on pace for 4,200 yards, 34 touchdowns. That's 280 fantasy points, which would have made him the QB 15, which is not a QB 1, right? Yes, I know. But here's the thing. It was in a Marvin Lewis offense. Marvin Lewis offense. (laughs) Doo-doo. Those things are synonymous. This is going to be a Zach Taylor offense, which, what does that mean? It really means... A Sean McVay offense. I've talked about this before. He's just bringing over the playbook. And I don't know how much credit you can give him for Jared Goff becoming what Jared Goff has become. Because obviously Sean McVay is responsible for a lot of that. But Zach Taylor was the QB coach over there. So I think he could do a little bit with Andy Dalton that we have not seen Marvin Lewis do with him over the past several years. The value would be insane if he got anywhere close to this. So if you're looking to not just wait on quarterback, but literally pick one with your last pick, a guy who in two QB leagues you can get super late and start every week, I think Andy Dalton might be your guy. Who's going to shoot me down? Uh, Look, I love this pick. But if if your bold (laughs) prediction was Andy Dalton plays eight games the rest of his career if that was your bold prediction I would have loved that because there is no one out there with a wider range of outcomes than Andy Dalton like if things click right for him with Zach Taylor and the weapons he has there's no reason he can't be a top 12 quarterback we've seen him be a top five quarterback for fantasy in the past he has the weapons if the offense opens up and honestly their defense is worse than it's ever been so, which is a recipe for success fantasy-wise for the offense or a recipe for implosion, replace him with a quarterback next year in the draft with a high draft pick and Andy Dalton is benched. So, like, do I love it? I love it. Do I think it's going to come true? Uh, you know, he's not in my top 12 right now. But <laughs> I would, lo- I mean, I would love to take that shot. Like, if, if there's just player after player after player that I love in a draft and I'm like, man, I just... I, I, I've gotten all these great players and I keep bypassing quarterback, then sure, grab Dalton late and see what happens because if it clicks, he, he, could, really, he could really succeed. Betts, how disgusted are you with this uh, bullet prediction? Um, I'm not thrilled about it. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> uh, I think your argument is definitely compelling. I mean, there's, there is a world where it happens 100%. You guys already talked about the main points there as far as the change in the offensive uh, play calling and the weapons. Um, but I don't know 
I don't know that it all comes to fruition in year one. Obviously, he's learning a new playbook. Um, we've seen history with Andy Dalton where, yes, he's had some flashes, but he's kind of been a middle-of-the-road guy, and I honestly don't think that changes much despite the new offense. I just think we know what Andy Dalton is in the NFL. Will he have QB1 weeks? Yeah, of course. Uh, but I don't think he'll finish as a QB1 come season's end. I will say this for your argument. You did leave off the Bengals' best running back. So how dare you, who's a great pass catcher for Dalton, Rodney Anderson, my guy. <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, right. I, I don't, <laughs> your last third running back from the Bengals isn't doing much. So hey, I, I was not a fan of Mark <laughs> Waltenberg. I just did a uh, bit. That I never thought he was enough. a good back. It just, you know, his name was <laughs> Mark Walt. It's true. It's true. All right, Jason, we'll swing it back to you. Give us, I don't know if we'll make it to all three, so give me your favorite okay. remaining bold prediction. All right, Le'Veon Bell is a committee back in Ooh. 2019. Ooh, Le'Veon me. Bell is getting the treatment that Kenyon Drake got last year from Adam Gase. And Adam Gase, the guy who didn't want to pay up for Le'Veon Bell, doesn't have a history of using a workhorse back, has gone out and re-signed and signed every running back out there possible. Hey, Bilal Powell, you gotta, you know, come on board. Everybody, everybody's gonna touch the ball. Uh, you know, so yeah, I mean, it's one of those things where the money says and the talent says that Le'Veon Bell should be guaranteed non-stop touches but there are certain people human beings that make the decisions that you learn to trust and you learned to put no faith in Adam Gaze is one where I'm not going to trust my fantasy asset in the first round to say you give him the ball Gaze you you make the right decision because the right decision in Miami last year was to give the ball to Kenyon Drake a whole heck of a lot more and I think their offense could have done more, which I think Kenyon Drake's going to have a good year this year. It's it's really the Adam Gase shifting over. Maybe I am too skewed, but that is my bold prediction, is that the money does not mean jack squat to Adam Gase, and he doesn't. Now, I'm not saying he's not, like, the clear leader of the committee, but he's not going to ever be the leader to the degree that he was in Pittsburgh. I'm not just talking about, like, efficiency obviously it's not the same offensive line he's not going to get the same total yards or touchdowns as he got in Pittsburgh I'm saying like the market share of the backfield he will never be the market share to the same degree that he was in Pittsburgh in New York City with Adam Gase controlling uh the the levers there Jason I don't know if we are somehow you know have some kind of contraption linking our brains or maybe you've been listening to the Red Shirts Fantasy Football Podcast and are stealing my takes but I have been saying for months now and Bet's can attest this that not only do I hate Adam Gase as the worst head coach in the NFL from a fantasy perspective but that I also don't even think Le'Veon Bell is as talented as he has appeared to be for many years so again I could not disagree with you less in fact I have him at RB 17 oh right I now. love it I love it I don't in my half in my half PPR rankings yeah I mean look there, there's a lot of things that could go wrong for Love Bell and a few things that could go right so when you're making the the risk assessment with those early round picks it's just 
there's there's a way that Lev Bell ends up as a top five back. And there's a way that Lev Bell ends up as the RB20. And, uh, you know, I, I I sit on that side. So so if this argument has kind of been made by, by you, where – uh, where does Betts stand? Uh, he's already. Has, have you guys been fighting over this topic? Oh my gosh, no! Kata and I are holding hands, skipping in a field somewhere, singing songs, <laughs> best friends. Um, no, I want no part of Le'Veon Bell this season. I'm not as low as Okada on him. I have him at 11, I think, right now or 12, um, off the top of my head. But I, I just, you know, you don't ever take players off your draft board because, of course, someone could fall and it's a great value, but. Le'Veon Bell is off my draft board because I know I'm not getting him in the third round and I'm not taking him at his current ADP. So I'm with you guys. I'm off Le'Veon Bell. You, you know what's funny, Betts? You bring up you don't take players off your draft board. We we say that on the show um, from time to time over the last couple of years too. You know, you know, you don't you don't take him completely off, but you know, if he falls or whatever. But then we have come to realize in our own office that like like that that's a good saying, but it's not true. Yeah. Like each one of us, me, Mike, and Andy, we all three, when we actually leave the analysis and go to a draft that we care about, there are guys I take off my board. There's guys where it's like I would just never draft him. I don't want the headache. And so, yeah, I mean, he, he could qualify as one of those players. Love it. All right, Betts, we'll bounce it back to you. Give us your second bold prediction. Yep, I'm going to keep it with the quarterback position here. This is a guy who has finished as a quarterback one every single season of his NFL career. That is Russell Wilson, but this season, he does not. Russell Wilson will not finish as a quarterback one in fantasy football this season. And to be honest with you, I don't know how bold that is. Um, over his his career, quarterback nine, quarterback one, quarterback 11, so he almost missed. Three, three, eight, and 10. Again, almost missed. So, it's not like he hasn't been close before, but when you look at the offense, I mean, it's just so run heavy, and they are going to do that again this season with Brian Schottenhammer there as the OC. Last season, second in the NFL in rush attempts. I don't think that changes, and the only reason they were second is because Lamar Jackson ran the ball more than Alvin Kamara per game last season in his starts. Um, I just don't see that changing. I was doing my projections for the Seahawks last night, and this is what I came up with. 3,356 passing yards, 25 touchdowns, um, and I'll spare you guys the, the extra stats there, but it came out to 269.7 fantasy points last season. That is quarterback 15. So if his touchdown rate, which was an absurd 8.2% last year, um, comes back down to earth, crashing to his average, which is 6%, there's no way he finishes as a quarterback one. I'm going to follow the statistics here. And then say that he is not a quarterback one in 2019. Ooh, when you when you started talking about Russell Wilson, I thought you were going to go positive, and I was preparing an argument to shoot you down nope. because I I'm a little against him too. I will say I don't think his efficiency is going to fall as much as you would expect any almost any other quarterback's efficiency to fall after a year like Russell had last year because he's just one of the most efficient quarterbacks. He's one of the best deep ball passers. He throws touchdowns at crazy rates, and that's what he does. But I do think he's just kind of on that fringe or has been of QB1 range. And I think that more quarterbacks than ever before are going to be able to put up QB1 numbers on a regular basis. And if we get, you know, two or three more versus last year, that's going to push him out of QB1 range. So I don't hate it. Jason, do you, uh, do you hate it? Do you love it? Uh, I actually really like this as a prediction. I think it's a valuable 
prediction for fantasy owners out there because what it's going to take for Russell Wilson at his volume to be a quarterback one is going to take really outlandish efficiency, which is exactly what he did last year. So, yeah, it can happen, but when you have a outlandish efficiency, just by definition of those words put together, it means it's probably not usual to be that effective. And so, yeah, I, I, I think that it's it behooves fantasy owners to probably bypass Russell Wilson where he's being drafted this year. And then there is this really weird thing with Russell Wilson. I don't understand it. I don't, you know, it's one of those things where it's probably just a statistical anomaly, whatever. But he pretty much always sucks at the beginning of the year. Like, I don't know why, but year after year after year, he catches hot fire in the second half and is great. And in the first half, it's like, I, I don't know if, you know, Pete Carroll's always just like, we're going to prove that we're only running the ball every year. And then eventually they're like, oh, you're our best player. Go go get some. But, it, you know, I feel like even in the last few years when he's finished as a quarterback one, when you have drafted him, you've regretted it because you then start the crud games and drop him by the time, you know, he, you know, starts catching fire. I think two things really quick. Number one, I think that this prediction is extra valuable because of where Russell Wilson will go in most people's drafts. Right now, according to Fantasy Football Calculator, he's the eighth QB off the board and going in the seventh round. And that's probably a little bit industry-driven as well. I think in most people's home leagues, he'll, he might go even earlier than the seventh round because he's Russell Wilson. Everybody knows him. He's the highest-paid quarterback in the league. He's been a QB one every year, all this stuff. But I do not want to invest that kind of price in almost any quarterback unless I know I'm going to get elite upside. And like you guys have talked about, I don't think you're going to. Number two... In doing this quick check, I happen to notice that Kyler Murray is at QB 11 on Fantasy Football Calculator, which just makes my heart go a flutter. <laughs> makes your heart go a flutter. I'm in Arizona, man. We're, we, we got we got the hots. I knew you would somehow oh. sneak him in, Okada. I just knew it. Of course, of course. I I didn't even try to make a bold prediction for him because I figured that would be too much for the listeners, but I had to sneak him in. So for uh, you guys both, Kyler Murray or, or Russell Wilson this year? Kyler. Kyler. Oh, all right. That wasn't as fun as I thought. <laughs> you were both kind of question yourselves. Um, Easy clap. Yeah, three for three on that one. Okay. Uh, I will hop over now to my second bold prediction. Again, I'm going to go with a not that sexy player. I'm just, this is my thing. I don't know. Mark Ingram. Mark Ingram of the Baltimore Ravens will lead the NFL in rush attempts in 2019. Not Ezekiel Elliott. Mark Ingram. So here's the breakdown. Okay. Ravens running backs last year over the entirety of the season, they averaged 22.1 rushes per game. That's as a conglomerate of running backs. But after Lamar Jackson took over in week 11, they averaged 25.4 rush attempts per game. And that's just the running backs. I'm not including Lamar Jackson in those numbers. Over that Lamar as a starter span, Gus Edwards was their lead back at 17.4 rushes per game. You project that over a full season, that's 278 rush attempts, which would have been second last year behind only Ezekiel Elliott. The thing is, Mark Ingram is a better and more versatile running back than Gus Edwards for sure, and really than any running back potentially that the the Ravens have had maybe since Justin Forsett or Ray Rice, but he's pretty much on those levels anyways. And we haven't seen those guys for a long time, which means he's going to stay on the field 
better than a Gus Edwards or an Alex Collins did. He's going to get a higher percentage of the workload, therefore, that than those guys did. And I also don't think Lamar Jackson can sustain the rushing numbers that he had at the end of last year, which means if they want to run close to as much, which I think they certainly do, those rush attempts are going to have to slide over to someone else. And Mark Ingram is the perfect guy to pick up those attempts. I think with all of that smashed together, he could eke up to right around that 300 rush attempts mark. And really the only guy that could challenge him if he got to that number is Zeke. And I kind of feel like the Cowboys are going to go a little bit more pass-heavy than they have in recent years. And Zeke will still be great. He's still actually my number one running back. I think his passing contribution is going to keep him there. But I think he drops down just a little bit in the carry count. And Ingram ends up as number one in rush attempts. That is bold. That is bold. Um, I have two counter-arguments to that. One, hit me. Oh, I'm going to hit you. What are your thoughts on if that happens... What are your thoughts yes. on what happens with Justin Justice Hill? How much work does he get? I, I still like Justice Hill. With, with the amount of rush attempts this team could average overall, I think Justice Hill could easily get 8 to 10 carries a game, but also throw in f- 3 to 4 catches a game. And you know that's decent flexible value, especially considering the efficiency I think he can have. So I'm still on Justice Hill's train as well. Okay. Second question. Mark Ingram, his career high is 226 carries. Mm-hmm. Do you feel now at age, what is he, going to be 30? 30, so, yeah. Do you feel that he can really sustain 300 carries given that he's never done it before, A, and B, it would be an extreme increase in his carry count? I do feel that bad really? for three reasons. <laughs> yes. You want my three reasons? I'll give them I to you right quick. Reasons, yes. Number one, because his carry count has been so low for so many years, he doesn't have as much wear and tear as your typical RB1 might at this age. Number two, he had those low carry counts because he was always playing in the Saints offense where they like to split it up a little bit. Before Kamara, it was other guys, Pierre Thomas and whatnot. Yep. So I I don't think he ever didn't get it because he couldn't handle it. I think he can. Uh, And number three, this offense is just going to run so much that they're going to have to give an exorbitant amount of carries to someone. And Ingram's body is probably better built to handle that than even a 22 or however old he is, year old uh, Lamar Jackson or Justice Hill, who's very, very small. Although not, you know, scrawny, but small. So if Gus Edwards, to someone and this offense has to give it to someone, it's going to be Ingram. Sorry, Jason, go ahead. I was just going to say Gus Edwards' body can handle it. He's young uh, and get, he's get big. Get Gus Edwards out of my face. The Gus, hey, the Gus bus. His 5.2 yards per carry is not going to just disappear from the offense. The problem I have with this is usually, I mean, you, you go back and look. Like, who was the carry leader uh, year after year after year after year? They got all their carries. That like they were they were the centerpiece of the offense. I think with Mark Ingram, Gus Edwards, Kenneth Dixon, and Justice Hill, all of them. I mean, I, I have the lion's share going to Mark Ingram, but I think it's going to be darn near impossible with the Gus Bus, Kenneth Dixon, and Justin Justice Hill for Mark Ingram to be able to really compete with those guys who get every carry in their offense, even with Baltimore's high carry numbers which of course they will be among the lead leaders in rushing attempts especially as a team because of Lamar Jackson but their defense 
isn't quite as good as it was last year. So I, you know, that's going to be hard to be in the game scripts that can continue to nonstop run the ball. Yeah, that's definitely a fair point. Whether they can do it or not might be more of a question whether they want to do it. I am saddened by both of your lack of support, mm. but I will not change my mind. Yeah, come with <laughs> come with better uh, takes, you know. <laughs> uh, okay, listen, we got we I don't let's hit these last three predictions, so one each real fast. You name your prediction, give maybe one or two sentences, no replies. We're just going to get it out in the open so that if we're right, we can claim it. Jason, what's your number 3? Kenyon Drake is a top 12 running back because anti-Adam Gaze. Oh, such no replies. Summary there. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. Betts, what's your number three? Yes, Julio Jones is going to score minimum 12 touchdowns this season because he's Ooh. Julio Touchdown Jones, as we saw last year. <laughs> and the last time he had double-digit touchdowns, guess who was the offensive coordinator? Dirt Cutter. It was Dirk Cutter. Guess who's their offensive mm. coordinator? Dirk Cutter. It's Dirk Cutter. Let's go. Mm. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you were going to say double digits, and I was going to be impressed, but 12, 12 is extra spicy. Doing it this season, finally. As a minimum. All right. My third, and this one's very, very hot, DK Metcalf will lead the Seattle Seahawks in receiving touchdowns, wait for it, and receiving yards. Why? Because as I mentioned on the rookie pod, I love this landing spot for him, despite the fact that I don't think Russell Wilson is going to be a QB1 because they don't have much else weapon we rise. I think DK Metcalf's going to absolutely flash. I'm on his train. You have to be either on it or off it, and I'm on it. All right, time to move to the final segment. And this one is just about probably my favorite segment idea that we've ever had in this show. Because we were bringing on Jason Moore, and we were like, what can we do with Jason Moore? What is he an expert of? Yeah, what is, what, what is he an expert on? There's two things. If you haven't ever listened to the Spitballers podcast, you should do that. And if you have, then you know that Jason wins all of the food-related drafts. Mm -hmm. So Jason Moore is basically the best combo analyst on food and fantasy football, perhaps that the world has to offer. Yeah, that the, the world has ever known. <laughs> we decided we were going to do a food comps, fantasy food comps segment kind of like we did with heath cummings and beer but this opens up to the entire culinary world so we're gonna jump into it my mom always said life was like a box of chocolates you never know what you're gonna get all right well these guys may not be a box of chocolates we're gonna find out maybe someone is a box of chocolates i'm really not sure but we'll start it off with Jason, obviously, because he's the, the ultra expert. Jason, give mm. us a fantasy football player and your culinary comp. All right, I'll start with the gross. The gross mm. is your broccoli, your Lamar oh. Miller. It's mm. You don't want it. I don't want to. I'm not going to order it at the restaurant. I'm here to have a good time. But I know it kind of is good for me. I know it's going to help me. It's going to keep me on the regular. So I need that fiber. And look, Lamar Miller, he's the starting running back for a really good offense. Going later in drafts, nobody wants to take him. You don't feel good about it. He doesn't taste good. But I think at the end of the day, he's going to give you the nutrients and vitamins your fantasy team actually needs. Wow. I before before we started this podcast and when we were creating the show doc, I put Lamar Miller initially and then I took him off because I just felt like I could go with something spicier. 
But that is pretty much the exact comp I was going to go with, Jason, so I love it. Our brain melt um, continues. Yeah, you know, it really does. And I'm going to go ahead and take the next one because you could use a little bit of Lamar Miller's fiber with the pick that I'm going to take. Oh, boy. Oh which boy. is Derrick Henry as the mega burrito from the local hole-in-the-wall Mexican <laughs> Delicious. <laughs> Here's the thing. Derrick Henry is a large, very large, chunky man who packs a wallop at six foot three, 247 pounds. You've got the carne asada. You've got the beans. You've got the rice. You've got the extra guacamole. You guys know what I'm talking about here, all right? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm out of this. I'm out of here right now to go get one. The only issue is... You're not 100% sure how you're going to feel after eating him. I mean drafting him. <laughs> Are you going to feel like a conquering hero who's completely satisfied with your choice as you sit upon a fantasy throne? Or are you going to massively regret your decision when Henry turns out to be a giant turd that leaves you crying <laughs> on the porcelain throne? I think you guys oh are picking up what I'm laying down God. here. That was awesome. <laughs> okay, Betts, can you top that? No, I'm... I feel like I should pass, <laughs> um, but I'll, I'll give you mine. So my first comp is Amari Cooper, and he is, pick your restaurant, he is a fast food cheeseburger. Oh. It can be a Big Mac from McDonald's. He could be a Wendy's Baconator. He could be a Whopper from Burger King, whatever you want. That's decent. But here's the rationale. When you see those commercials... And it looks so perfect, and it looks so good. The buns are stacked so well. The lettuce and the tomatoes are right on there in the middle. It just looks fantastic. And you go to the drive-thru, or you get on your fantasy football draft, and you see that awesome commercial, and you say, all right, I'm taking Amari Cooper because he looks perfect. But then you get to the drive-thru, they hand you the box, you open it up, and the thing is a mess. There's a bun on the left, there's a bun on the right, the ketchup squirting out the side, whatever, you name it, you get the picture. Amari Cooper is so unpredictable. You never know what you're going to get. Um, and for that reason, he's a fast food cheeseburger man. Oh, my Makes goodness. Uh, Jason, I have to ask you real fantasy talk now coming off of that because that was an excellent comp. Mm. I feel like the tape guys and the raw number guys love Amari Cooper and the consistency lovers do not love Amari Cooper. I'm curious where you fall on the Amari Cooper scale. Right now, I fall more on the I'm afraid of him. I, uh, You know, the consistency matters so much. We're redraft focused. We're wanting to win our home leagues, our, our paid leagues, whatever. We're wanting to take home the championship. And people who aren't consistent, it doesn't matter how good you are. doesn't matter how big your best games are. If you lose me as many games as you win me, you were a bad pick. And so... I don't get why Amari Cooper disappears. He has the talent to not disappear. I think he now is in a role where he's the clear number one pretty much almost for the first time. I mean, Crabtree was always, you know, who's number one? Is it Cooper? Is it Crabtree? He is now the center of that offense, so he's got an opportunity to prove all of us consistency lovers wrong that he can be consistent. But until I'm not going to hold that. You know, it's like the, the fool me once – you know, whole thing. So I am, I am much more belie believing that the delicious Big Mac is going to upset your tummy. There you go. <laughs> yeah, you, you, no disagreement from me on that. So good one, bets. I like it. All right, 
We're going to go back to Jason for his second comp. Oh. This is a name I did not think I would ever see on our show doc, but yes. when I invited Jason Moore on, or oh. when we brought him on, I should have expected it. Jason hit us. All right. Well, you went with Derrick Henry, right? Big bruise and back. You're like, oh, he's 6'4", and he's so much pounds, and he's a big burrito. <laughs> no, sir. No, sir. I'm going with eight foot eight. 722-pound gigantor himself, Mo Alley Cox, the tight end number three for the Indianapolis Colts, is a porterhouse stake, not because Ooh. of what he's going to do on the fantasy field, simply because he is gigantic. <laughs> and a porterhouse <laughs> is two stakes in one. You get the New York Strip and the filet mignon. It's basically like... Instead of cutting this into two pieces, let's just serve a two-sized steak, and that's what he is. He's like a tight end went and took a lineman and put it on top of him and said, you can have us both. That's Mo, Mo Alley Cox. That's Gigantor. He is the porterhouse. Oh, boy. Bet, do you have any uh, deep fantasy uh, analysis to tag onto that? Absolutely none. Not at all. Uh, I, I didn't think so. Oh, boy. All right. Well, I'm going to take my second guy again, bounce off Jason, because once again, my pick compliments your pick, because I am taking Julian Edelman, the salt of the fantasy football world. And I know what you're thinking. It's because he's small and white. No, wrong. It's not because he's small and white. Salt is quite possibly the most underrated, essential, and just Overall, excellent, excellent culinary weapon in the entire kitchen. You try to make something decent without salt, good luck. Y you're never going to regret adding a pinch of salt to your dish, just like you're never going to regret a pinch of Edelman on your roster. He always gets the job done, and he never gets the credit, except obviously when he gets the MVP of the Super Bowl, which is when you finally taste the flavor. <laughs> and, by the way, as a bonus, you use salt to cure meat, which makes it last longer, just mm. like Edelman has done for Tom Brady. Oh, baby. Ah! Oh, I... I but I'm... Amazing. I love that comp, <laughs> but more than that, I love the analysis of how important mm. salt is in the kitchen. You are correct. Salt is so underrated. And here's the thing. If you rate it highly, you are still underrating salt. Ooh. Big facts. Oh, boy. Betts, do you have any comments on my Julian Edelman salt? I like that. The only issue is if you've got a low-sodium diet, then you're stuck without some Julian Edelman, and mm. I want... You, you said he a pinch of salt. He gets injured from time to time. Yeah, you can have it from time to time. <laughs> you said you want a pinch of salt in your, your dish sometimes. Uh-huh. Yep. If Julian Edelman is salt, Load it up, man. Load it up. Lots of salt on my meal because I love him this season. So that is my analysis. Give me all the salt. 100% agreed there. All right, Betts, you got the last one here. Close us out with a bang, hopefully. What do you got? Mm, I should have got a Marty Cooper second. <laughs> <laughs> my second food comp is for Mr. Philip Rivers. And he is a week-long old sub sitting in the back of your fridge. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, get I mean, bodied, Philip Rivers. <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, listen. This comes around. So the idea... How is this going to come around? Just it's listen. Just listen. <laughs> so the idea is the sub's been in there a while. Philip Rivers is older. He's been around the league for forever. But when you get home from work, it's been a long day. You open the fridge, and what do you see? You don't feel like cooking. 
Oh yeah, that that sub in the back, it's left over right behind those <laughs> eggs and the yogurt. And when you pull it out, you're like, oh man, when did I buy this? How long has this been here? <laughs> you give it a smell. Good enough. Good enough. You eat it. It tastes fine, and it it gets the job done. And that's what Philip Rivers does every single season. Back end quarterback one, and no one treats him that way. Um, he just gets the job done, man. And that's what that week long old sub does in the back of the fridge. I, I would like wow. the comp if it was yesterday's sub for lunch. <laughs> Maybe a week in the back, long. but. A week is like, okay, now he's moldy? Now I got to tear off a little piece of bread if I want to eat my Philip Rivers? <laughs> yeah, you said give it a sniff, Bets. I would like knock it on the counter and see if it's hard because that's a bit long. Um, however, I do have to say I like the, the call on Philip Rivers because I almost picked him over Andy Dalton for a lot of the similar uh, same reasons that I picked Andy Dalton as my bullet prediction earlier. Of course, I probably would have had to go uh, go higher with Rivers because he's been a QB1, but his weaponry is insane. Insane. And their it's defense is too good. Their play calling uh, is conservative enough with, with getting Melvin Gordon involved where, uh, you know, Phillip Rivers is not going to ever have to just completely ball out and play catch-up more than a handful of times in the year. So I, I like your Andy Dalton. Yeah, that, that's definitely a good point. All right, guys. I would say we're off the rails, but these were the intended rails of the podcast. So, you know, we're really right on the rails. Yeah, that was uh, that was a good way to let us just completely let loose there, Okada. I like that segment a lot. <laughs> um, that way it gives an, ex- an excuse to just talk about as much random stuff as possible. <laughs> exactly. Uh, all right. Well, that's going to wrap up the show. Jason, we... We so appreciate you coming on, not obviously only for your fantasy takes, but for your food takes, really just for, you know, your personality in general. We really enjoy having you. I appreciate you guys, not just for the work that you have done and do for the fantasy footballers, but for your friendship. Best oh. friends. Yeah. Best mm. friends for life. Kind of like me and Julian Edelman. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it. Uh, for the fantasy foot or for the fantasy footballers, yeah. <laughs> Red Shirts Fantasy Football Cup podcast featuring Mr. Fantasy Footballer Jason Moore. Uh, give the pod a follow on Twitter at Red Shirts FF Pod, and if you do, give us a review and a rate, and tweet a screenshot of it at our account for a chance to get entered in the Listener League, and just review us, you know, to be nice because you love us. Uh, and whatever you do, if you don't already, and I have to imagine you do. Give Jason and the fantasy footballers a follow. Jason, just one more time, tell us where you where we can find you on Twitter specifically, and are there any tickets left for live shows? Uh, yeah, so you can find me at JasonFFL on Twitter and on Instagram as far as the live shows. We still have some tickets left in San Francisco and Phoenix. LA sold out uh, in about a day. I guess we picked uh, we could have picked a bigger venue. <laughs> next year apparently i mean you gotta shoot big when you're the fantasy football i mean that, that seems pretty obvious but you know we'll we'll let it slide <laughs> uh all right well you can also find bets at the fantasy pt you can find me at matt okada on twitter and uh that that wraps it up thanks everybody have fun and uh once again we are the red shirts thanks for tuning in to this episode of the red shirts fantasy football podcast Hit us up on Twitter at RedShirtsFFPod and check out our website, RedShirtsFantasyFootball.com.